And so we've included a place to write something down. And your name, you need to, to sign it, but what you say will not be shared. Your name will not be shared with what you say unless you say, I want Carl to hear this from me and make, a, you know, make, it, make it very clear that that's what you want. But um, he's just a tremendous attitude of saying, if the church wants me to serve, then I'll consider that and consider walking through that. And I, uh, um, I just want to, want to do well. And if um, there's, uh, there's considerations of, of why I shouldn't, you know, there's no hard feelings, I'll step away. I just want to be the man that God wants me to be. And I think that's a tremendous example for all of us. And so we're hoping to, to have those back next week. So if you don't have one, grab one in the foyer. You can fill it out and uh, just follow the, the, the questions there. And just uh, we're going through that process of, of confirming Carl at this point in time. Okay, if you have any questions, talk with Mike Baker, myself, Fred Nelson, or Matt Bachmeyer on that committee, and we'll, we'll help guide you in the right direction. All right, we're going to um, jump into something uh, today that I think, I think we tend to struggle with. We'll get to that here in just a second. But uh, I've been walking through the spiritual disciplines and how those lead us to freedom in Christ. And so we've talked about how fasting... Uh, helps us get past the urgent and the self-centeredness. Uh, it helps us to, to go beyond that. How meditation and taking quiet times helps us get away from the busyness or just being comfortable in this world. It helps us think about things that are most important. Uh, forgiveness helps us get rid of bitterness and self-righteousness that is in us and leads us to a place where we're much more gracious and kind towards other people. We don't carry that, that prison of bitterness around with us. Um, confession is one of those things that helps us get out that unresolved sin to purify ourselves so that we can be all that God wants us to be. And the reason why I believe these are so important to go through and the spiritual disciplines is because sometimes Christianity is reduced to don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't swear, don't you know, fill in the blank, whatever it may be. And you do that, you're going to be a good person, a good Christian. But what happens when we approach faith that way is we tend to look all about the things that we shouldn't do and we miss out on the joy, we miss out on the peace and all these things that Christ talks about. And the way to pursue those is through the spiritual disciplines that lead us into a deeper understanding of what we should be as Christians, not just what you don't do, but what we should be. And so today we're going to talk about something that, um, again, like I said, I think a lot of us would tend to wrestle with. How many of you here worry Okay. Yeah, there's a few hands going up. Let me take a time out for just, just a second. <coughs> Excuse me. The cough that's going around, I have at this moment. Um, I've got some water here, but if I keep coughing, if somebody has, I do not have a cough drop. If somebody has a cough drop, they can throw it to me. Okay, I will trust Betty Free with a cough drop, okay? I was just expecting, so somebody gave me years ago some jelly beans that had a terrible flavor to them, and I've always, somebody just, where, is it over here somewhere? Okay, where did that come from? It came from Hannah. Okay, all right. I trust Hannah. I will trust Hannah because if one of the Baker boys or something said, hey, here, Chris, eat this, like I would have to think about that a little bit. All right. So maybe I shouldn't worry about that, right? Here we go. Practice what I preach. So think about this. Put yourself in a situation. It's 1870. And you come across the Bozeman Pass on a wagon train. And you end up right on this plot of land right here. There's nothing around. And you're a homesteader. And you have landed here with your family. And you look around. 
And do you think that you, after you take in all the beauty, or you take in all the flowers, and you see how wonderful this valley is, do you think you might have something to worry about? You'd have to start thinking about, okay, how do I provide water? How do I get this seed in the ground? And if you end up right here, is it going to be easy plowing? Uh, probably not. A lot, of gr- a lot of rock here. It's going to be probably pretty tough to get stuff in the soil. If there's going to be, um, are we going to survive this winter? We've got to make sure that our clothing lasts. We've got to make sure that we get um, a, a house put together, all of that sort of thing. That is pretty foreign to me, but I know Dan Morgan's great-grandparents did that, and they, they homesteaded over by Ringling. They've been, that family's been here for quite a while. Um, I just I, I have trouble thinking about what types of things that they would tend to worry about. All the stuff that could go wrong. And maybe the people that were courageous enough to come out and say were the ones that didn't worry so much because they ended up out here. I'm not sure how all that works. But I would have to think that those people would have a whole lot more to worry about than I would today. Don't you think? They would have a whole lot more to be concerned about and worry about just barely surviving. We're going to see if we're going to even make it until tomorrow. So when I think about myself... The, I guess the idea would be, is now that we have technology, now that we have a hospital just down the road, we've got all of these different things. We've got a grocery store, which didn't exist here in 1870 in this area. We've got a grocery store. We can go down. In fact, we've got a choice of grocery stores that we can go and buy our food from. And I look around and I think, boy, we are so blessed. Wouldn't it stand to reason that we wouldn't be people that worry at all? Because... Compared to our ancestors just a few generations ago, we've got it made, don't we? But something that I read here this last week, it got me thinking, is that the tendency, it seems to be, you read, it depends on on what you read, but we tend to worry more and more as we go along as people. Part of that is the difference between 1990 and 1998 in the stat that I read is the murder rate in this country went down 20%. Okay, In those eight years, the murder rate went down 20%. But the coverage of murders on network news went up 600%. So you think about that. Why did that happen? Why on earth did people start talking about all of these bad things that happened so much in the news in our society? Because somewhere along the line, somebody figured out that fear sells. If you can tell people how bad things are all the time and how they're just around the corner from a a gigantic nuclear holocaust or whatever it might be, and that's the state that people live in, what is the product that comes out of it? We tend to pay attention, we tend to pay a lot of money for stuff, and we tend to live a life that is continually full of worry about what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next. And so even though we're at a place in life where we're blessed beyond anything we can imagine compared to people, material-wise, compared to people a number of years ago, I don't believe it seems that the level of worrying has gone down any. In fact, it seems to have gone the other direction. And so let's, let's unpack this a little bit here. Worrying, what worrying is, is not, is practicing caution or concern. Okay, let's talk about it in terms of crossing the road. If I get to the road and think, boy, I'm going to cross the road. I'm not going to, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm not going to look either direction. Okay, that's a bad idea. Okay, kids, make sure that you look both ways before you cross the street. All right, you guys, you got it? Okay, cross, look both ways before you cross the street. That's practicing caution and concern because it is a danger. 
world out there. But worrying is, is different. Worrying is to give way to anxiety or unease, allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. So instead of crossing the street, sit at home and think, oh man, there's so many things that could happen when I cross the street. There's buses, there's cars, there's bicycles. People are crazy on bicycles. You know, somebody on a bicycle might run me over and I wouldn't see them. Or all sorts of things that can go, what if I trip as I'm going across? How many of you have ever tripped going across the street? It happens. It happens sometimes. And we could sit at home and worry and worry and worry and think about all these things that could go wrong. But what happens is it's a false way of trying to prevent pain by focusing on self. And what we do is we train ourselves, oh man, if I worry and I worry and I worry, then maybe those bad things that I think about are not going to come to happen to me. And so when they don't happen, our mind thinks, all right, well, that worked. That's my self-defense mechanism. I'm going to continue to worry because when I worry, those bad things don't happen to me. And the problem is, is that that is completely and totally opposed to the way that God called us to live. Because if I'm concerned about walking across the street because I'm going to get hit by a car, then what am I not doing? I'm not crossing the street. And I'm focusing on my own safety and security instead of looking out to see how I can bless the people around me. You see what happens? When we get caught in this cycle of worry, it becomes this cage that we carry around with us in everything that we do. And so Jesus talks about worrying. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. The techies told me that we're in the process of um, the PowerPoint uh, that I'm using is different than what the church has, and so we're, we're in the process of working that. That's why some of it's divided up there. But we'll get there. Matthew chapter 6, start in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barn. In barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Now think about that. In the time that you and I have spent worrying about, oh no, what's going to happen, what's going to happen, what's going to happen, has that been able to influence really any outcome or has it added time to our life? Probably not. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God excuse me, clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Okay, so what Jesus tells the people here, and hopefully this is comforting for us, but it's also very convicting, because we cannot be people of worry and be effective in God's kingdom. It says, don't worry about food, don't worry about clothing, and don't worry about tomorrow. Those are the big things that, that come up here. And so we have our tendency to worry about food. Even though we've got these grocery stores down there, all that, we can still worry about the food that we're going to eat. Maybe our worry has more to do with, am I going to eat something that's packaged in a box, or am I going to eat organic? 
Now, it tells you how blessed we are in some ways. Don't worry about food, but we tend to worry about clothing. It's not necessarily do we have clothing, but is my clothing in style types of things is what we would concern ourselves more with. Or about tomorrow. There's a, I know this is something that gets harder sometimes as we get older, because we, we know the things that can go wrong. And we worry about tomorrow because, oh no, if I, what if I'm not prepared for tomorrow? What if I, what if I, I don't have things together like I'm supposed to for tomorrow? Whether it be um, our food or relationships, whatever it is. And how many of you have ever spent time in bed and you can't sleep because you're worrying? This is what we're doing. We're worrying about tomorrow. Worrying about what's going to come. And Jesus uses the example here of birds and grass. Okay, and so birds. It's really neat to watch the birds this time of the year because they're starting to hatch their little ones. And we have a robin, a couple of robins that show up in our, our backyard every morning and they, they go and, and pick worms and eat. And I, look at that, I looked at that bird this week and I was thinking, you know, what would we think about that bird? And what Jesus is not saying is this. If that bird just gets in its nest and it looks up in the sky, and it goes like this. You know how birds do? And they have that huge mouth, and then you get the tongue sticks up there. And the bird just sits there and says, I'm walking by faith. I know God's going to provide, and he's going to drop an, a worm out of the air. We think, that bird's not going to last long. This is not going to go very well for it. You see, the example that Jesus uses is that birds are birds. They're animals that work hard, don't they? They get out there and they go and they find those worms and they find that food and they pr- provide for each other. But think about this. Hey, those birds, I see a couple of those robins, like I said, every morning. They come into the backyard. And they hop around, and it's kind of neat watching them hunt. Because they'll hop around, you ever watch that? And then they'll, get, they'll pause, and they'll wait, and they'll wait, and they'll wait. And then, bam, all of a sudden it comes up with a, with a big worm. And the kids are like, ew, gross, that's sick. It's going to eat that thing. That's nasty. And they fly off, and they go and feed their little ones, and they eat themselves. What would we think about a bird that flies back to its nest in the afternoon, full from uh, all these worms, all the little ones are full, and then the bird starts sitting there in the next nest thinking, oh no, what if I get to the yard tomorrow morning and there's no worms? What's going to happen? What am I going to do? And this bird starts shaking and this bird can't sleep and its feathers start falling out and all this it has all sorts of health problems because it's sitting there thinking wait a minute there may not be worms tomorrow what's that going to look like you know what do birds do every morning they get up and they go and they find the worms because god is powerful enough to be able to provide worms for them every day and that's really jesus's point here is that we can invest, waste, however you want to say it, all sorts of time in our lives, worrying about, oh no, what's going to happen tomorrow? Oh no, this is this going to come together? Jesus says, tomorrow has enough problems of its own. Okay, Let God take care of that. You just live in today. And what God is trying to tell us is that if he can take care of the little things, don't you think he can take care of you? If grass of the field does its thing, and something I, I read this week as well that got me thinking just how finite we are and how short-term we are. There is, how many of you have a yard that you mow at your house? Okay. The, the comment was, basically, is that 
the yard that you're mowing right now, the yard that you spend all this time taking care of, just know that someday you will probably sell that house, that you'll go on, that you may pass away here at some point in time, if the Lord doesn't come back before. And guess what? That yard is still going to be there. And the yard that you're mowing, the yard that you're taking care of, is going to outlast you. And that was pretty humbling for me to think about, you know? Because if God takes care of the yards, he takes care of the grasses, he takes care of the birds, then how much more is he going to take care of us? And so if we spend our lives worrying about, oh no, what's going to happen next? Am I going to have food? Am I going to have clothing? I'm going to do that. Our job is to get out and work hard like the birds, but realize that God is going to provide, because that's what he does. That's the type of God that we serve. Let's go to Philippians. And this is a passage we have spent some time in, but it really speaks to this. Philippians chapter 4. Go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 4. And here's the, the verse here. Well, verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's the second part of chapter 6 there, the last part of it. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, food, clothing, tomorrow will be given to you as well. Okay? So we put God first. We say, I'm going to do, God, I'm going to, instead of work, getting up today and worrying about if you're going to provide or not, I'm just going to seek first your kingdom and know that your provisions come. Okay? That's God's plan for us. Okay, now let's go to Philippians chapter 6. Instead of worrying, and here's chapter 4, verse 6, excuse me. Do not be anxious, which means worry about anything, but in every situation or in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So Paul tells the Philippians here, instead of worrying and being anxious, be prayerful and be thankful. Because what that does is it transforms everything that that we're about. God is calling us to turn our cares that burden us down into prayers. And when we do that, again, it transforms everything that, that we are and how we look at life. When you think about this world, um, it's a dangerous place, isn't it? If you allow yourself to think about for a few minutes of what can go wrong today in life, we could come up with quite a nasty list here, couldn't we? Of all sorts of stuff that can go wrong, all sorts of things that can happen. I wonder if those pioneers coming over... 1870s, 1880s, if they had those same thoughts, look at all the things that can go wrong. There's no hospital up here. There's no grocery store up here. There's, no, there's nothing. I am out here, and that's it. And somewhere along the line, those pioneers that survived had to have a perspective of saying, I will not consume myself with worrying day in, day out. What I'm going to do is somewhere I'm going to trust that the God who is out there, whatever their faith may have been, is going to provide, and I'm going to work, and something good is going to happen. If not, I'll go back east, and I'll survive there. Um, the same thing for us is that no matter what type of list that we can come up with of how bad things can be and how, how wrong things can go, the only real safe place in this world is the kingdom of God. And that's it. And it doesn't matter how much money we come up with, how if we're tenured in our job, if we have two storage containers worth of food in our garage instead of just a freezer, if we, you know all that kind of stuff, the more abundant stuff that we, we get a hold of, that does not lead us to peace and the absence of worry. The only thing that leads us to the absence of worry is deciding, I believe that the kingdom of God is the only safe place out there. 
And what that means is, if I seek his kingdom first, his church first, and I seek uh, his righteousness, and I pursue doing what God wants me to do in life, then what happens, no matter what happens, all of this list of things that can go wrong, I know that God has got it. If I leave here, and I go out, and I get on the interstate, and there's a major accident, and I lose my life, I know that somewhere, somehow, in all of that, God's kingdom and God's love and mercy and grace is bigger than that. If I leave here, and I I cross the street, and I'm hit by a car, and I'm in a wheelchair the rest of my life, I know that somehow God has got it. Now, that would be hard. That would take some rethinking on my part. It would take some, some encouragement from people to walk me through that. But I know that God has got it somewhere. Because that's what he says. That God has... I'm there. Instead of being anxious, be prayerful and be thankful. And I've got this. And I'm going to take care of you no matter what your situation may be. That is the only safe place in the world is the kingdom of God. Because no matter what happens now, the future is always better than the past. So here's something that... Um, an exercise that I'm going to do this week, and I would encourage you guys to do it as well, is take some time, and I have a, a, a notebook that I write down prayers and, and just uh, different notes as, as I'm thinking through Scripture and that. And something I'd encourage you to do is take some time and write down things that you worry about. And um, maybe there's some of you here that say, I just don't worry. I've I'm worked through that. I'm, I'm the person that I'm able to just leave stuff behind, and, and great. Okay, we're all going to learn from you. That's great. But if it's, a, if it's a question of pride where you're saying, I don't worry. I'm too much of a man to worry, you know, that kind of thing. I don't, I don't do things like that. Hey, let's, just, let's be more transparent. Hey, the reality is, is that whenever we don't have control of a situation, we tend to worry, which is most all of life. And sometimes we think we're in control and we're just not. So here's, here's the drill. I'd recommend just write down some of these things that you worry about, things that, you, that do concern you. And then ask the, ask the question, can, is this something, concerning myself with this, is this seeking God's kingdom first and foremost? And answer that question. And then answer the question, is this something that I can do something about? And if it is, then pray about it and come up with a plan of action. If it is something that you cannot, cannot do anything about, then the best thing you can do is pray about it, give it to God, and say, God, I really can't do anything about this. This concerns me greatly. It causes me great worry, but I will not be uh, shackled by this anymore. I will not take this prison with me. I want to give it to you. Please take it and allow God to take it. And you're going to have to remind yourself that you've given it to God. But God's got it. And that, hopefully, as we walk through life, and see, this is the big deal about, the, about worrying. Because if we as Christians go through life worrying and showing that to the people around us, I'm worrying about this, I'm worrying about that, and our words oftentimes betray us, the things that we're continually worrying about. And that's how we walk through life. Then why on earth would someone who is not a person of faith look at us and say, wow, you know, concerned about all the same things I am. They apparently don't have anything to give. That, that I need. But if we're people that have learned to, to leave worry behind, and we re- really do genuinely give it to God, and we, we, we live and, and speak in such a way that we've given worry to God, what happens is that's for the people around us that don't have that, 
And there's a number of people that I can tell you, I can tell you their names, that became Christians at different times because they saw somebody that had an attitude that was different that refused to worry. I'll give you one example. Chris Ward was a student of John Freeze. And Chris is one of the deacons in the, the church in, in Great Falls. And he said, what I saw in John was when I started searching spiritually, and it was later in life, it wasn't while he was a student, it was much later, is that John didn't seem to worry. And I needed that because I worried a lot. I worried about all sorts of things in life. And John was one that always seemed to find God working somewhere in some positive situation. And I thought, that's the person that I need to learn from. What a great example for all of us. Um, So my prayer for you, for me, for all of us, is that we walk through life learning not to worry, learning instead of worrying, we learn to pray and we give those things to God. And by doing so, it allows us to leave, leave that prison behind that we tend to carry with us. And we can be the people that God really wants us to be. If you'd like to become a Christian or you want prayers because you're worrying a lot, the elders are waiting in the back to pray with you. Let's stand and sing together. You're welcome to head back there.